the selection of scripture that Toby has asked to be read. And let's focus our minds and our hearts on Luke chapter 24, verses 6 through 8. He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. You may or may not know it, uh, and I meant to mention this this morning because I always told our guests that we don't have guest lunch today, but in honor of Easter Sunday, uh, Chick-fil-A actually will be open today, and so you can go by there, and uh, that may be what is known as the harshest, cruelest, coldest kind of April Fool's joke I've ever told from the pulpit. Some of you are still like, I'm still driving by just to check. Wouldn't surprise me. We, we do want to welcome our guests. As uh, you may not know that we are in a series uh, that will finish next Sunday, and it's called Journey. And we've been talking about the journey that Jesus made from heaven to earth, from earth to the cross, and then from the cross to the tomb. More specifically, today we're speaking about how he came out of the tomb and why that matters so much. Of course, most of us are familiar with that story very familiar, perhaps too familiar. I, I mean, if you think about Easter just as a holiday in and of itself, it, there are elements of surprise within it. There are, there are parts of it that you're not sure, wh whether it's like, you know, did, did you, are you going to have a new outfit for Easter? And I see many of you sporting those this morning. Are you, are you going somewhere special and what will be served for dinner? Or, or even so as simple as what's inside the egg when you open it. These are simple elements of surprise. There are surprises to it, but as, as we know, it's really not an unexpected thing. We kind of know how Easter goes. We know how the holiday goes, and though on the calendar it changes, it's never consistently on the same date. It's always on a Sunday, and we sort of expect it. It's part of the rhythm of the calendar. You know, it's, it's really the same for the original followers of Jesus. I always thought that it was, it was resurrection morning was a surprise to them. And maybe it was, but it shouldn't have been. Now, if you are following along this morning, I plead with you to get your Bibles out. Even if you're not a familiar student of the Bible, grab a pew Bible, get on your phone, whatever you use. Because there are so many scriptures pertaining to what we're talking about this morning, it is undeniable uh, what Jesus said he was going to do and what he did. The resurrection morning was, was something that it was the very, very first, first day of the week. Christians come together, we celebrate, that's why we celebrate and worship on the first day of the week, because it was on a Sunday morning when he came out of that tomb. And so ever th since then, Christians have commemorated that day, the first day of the week, as the Lord's Day. And it's a very special, important day. But for them, they didn't see it coming. And I'm not exactly sure why. 
Because the first thing we realize is that when we look at Scripture, if you look at turn to Matthew chapter 17, verse 22 and 23, Matthew is the first gospel. It's the first book of the New Testament. In chapter 17, verse 22, uh, Jesus says these words, When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day, he will be raised to life. And the scripture goes on to say the disciples were filled with grief. Now you want to turn just one book over to the book of Mark. You're following along, Mark Mark chapter 8, verse 31. This is Mark's gospel account, which was the gospel account written largely to a Gentile audience, unlike Matthew's, which was written to a Jewish audience. Mark chapter 8, verse 31, he says, he records these words of Jesus. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days, rise again. And when I was preparing this sermon, I, I misplaced, I thought I did, because I wrote down Mark chapter 8, verse 31, and I was practicing, and I went to Mark 9, 31. Just turn one chapter over. In Mark chapter 9, verse 31, it's weird. Exactly one chapter later, verbatim, almost, is what Jesus said. Then they left that place and they passed through Galilee. Jesus did not even want to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. And he said to them, no, he said to them, if you have what I have is a red letter version because Jesus only spoke in red. The son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him. And three days later, he will rise. Jesus said that he was very specific And look at verse 32, but they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. Now, to me, that's just a foreign concept. I mean, if Jesus is teaching and he's saying, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to be hand over, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be rejected and crucified, as hard as that is to overcome, the next sentence would have given me pause. And after three days, he will rise. Good thing I wasn't a disciple then. Because I probably would have been, uh, I gotta, can you, can you go back, can you back up just, just a few words and repeat that last part again? Because, because dying wasn't a new thing, and certainly dying on a cross wasn't a new thing. Jews were very familiar with that. Now, the disciples didn't want that. They didn't expect that. They didn't desire that for their rabbi and their teacher. But the next part is what would have made me stop. And say, well, well, Jesus, can you explain that? Would you go over, would you spend just a little more time on that? We don't have enough time. Luke chapter 9, verse 22. Luke chapter 9, the good doctor gives his orderly account of the gospel of Jesus, of the life of Jesus. And in verse 22, he records this. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders chief priests and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. There was no surprise, or there should not have been, if you were a follower and certainly a disciple of Jesus. Jesus foretold the resurrection plan, enough so that even when 
after he died, his enemies understood what Jesus had said. Turn back to the very beginning of the gospel accounts. You're going to go to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. And this is interesting. The next day, this is verse 62 of Matthew 27. Okay, this won't be on the screen. You got to, I know you depend on me, but I need you to look in the Word. Because the Word is perfect. Your preacher is not. You need to know the Word of God and the words of God. Matthew 27, 62. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Now remember, he's already dead. Jesus is already dead. Sir, they said... We remember, this is fascinating, we remember that while he was alive, that deceiver said seven simple words. After three days, I will rise again. Remember when Jesus said, you tear down this temple and I'll rebuild it again in three days? And they thought they were talking about Herod's temple. He was talking about his temple. Jesus was absolutely clear in what he came to do. And that... Everything, everything would surrender to him, even death itself. There was no ambiguity with Jesus. He was absolutely clear, not only to his students, but even to his enemies. They remembered the words that he said. But for some reason, for some implausible, unexplainable reason, they forgot the resurrection promise. They, 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 they either, either when they, they were not thinking, when Jesus said what he said, they weren't listening, they weren't fully engaged, maybe they were too fearful to ask, they thought maybe he was delirious, I, I don't know. Turn in, we're going to go back, backwards through the Gospels now. Luke, the Gospel account of Luke, the very last chapter of Luke is Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 is the story of the resurrection. Then, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices, I'm in verse 2 now, and prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes, gleamed like lightning, stood before them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to, to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. We focus on that, but I just want to draw your attention to the next phrase. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The angel said, what were you expecting? What did you come here to see? A dead man? No, he told you he wasn't going to be here. He told you he'd meet you later. He told you that already. Verse 8, a little late, but they get there. Then they remembered his words. Turn backwards. Turn backwards to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 is Mark's last word on Jesus' life. Again, it's about the resurrection when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so they might go out to anoint Jesus' body. See, they were prepared for a dead man's body. They weren't prepared for a living Savior. Verse 2 
of Mark 16. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who is going to roll away that stone from the entrance to the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Verse 6, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene. He was crucified, which I think they knew. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. What is the last five words? Just as he told you. He told you this. This shouldn't have been a surprise. He was very clear about what he came to do. And it wasn't just to die on the cross. And I know that we remember that each and every week. But Jesus was clear that the cross was not the end. It was only the beginning. That that would lead him to a tomb three days later, out of which he would walk. You see, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, go to Matthew, because we didn't go there. Matthew 28, 1 through 7. Maybe you're getting it now. Hopefully you're seeing a theme. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. You remember when he told the story about his enemies, said, we remember that while he was alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I'll rise again. The reason they were doing that, they were trying to make a case to put a post, a Roman guard outside the tomb. Those guards, which were mighty, mighty, powerful men, always looking for a fight like drunk on steroids. They were ready to fight and keep people out of the tomb, but they didn't understand that they would not be mighty enough to keep the Savior in. They thought their purpose was to to keep the crowd, the disciples, anyone from going in. But they could not stop Jesus from coming out. They became like dead men. Verse 5, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. Verse 6, he is not here. He is risen. You catching the theme now? The last four words. Just as he said. You see, the problem was that they heard Jesus, but they didn't heed Jesus. Jesus would often say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's saying, pay attention. You know, when you're speaking and teaching or preaching, you realize that in your audience... No matter how often you say something, there are people that aren't paying attention. And so they'll say, I never heard you say that. Of course, you didn't hear me say that because you weren't listening. Jesus had the same problem. Even with those who followed him everywhere, they surrounded him. And and he taught them the meaning of the scriptures again and again and again. It's not just about the cross. It's also about the tomb and the emptiness of it. I will rise again. He taught that so much that his disciples, not only, even though they didn't heed it, his enemies knew that he said, now they didn't believe it. But here's the interesting thing. 
Those two groups of people, Jesus' disciples, his students, the people who followed him, and his enemies, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, these two people concerning Jesus and concerning the resurrection were exactly the same. They heard the words of Jesus. They didn't heed the words of Jesus. And if we're not careful, we can fall into the same very trap. We can hear the words of Jesus, but there's an answer to this. First, we have to accept Jesus' words. Uh, The scripture was put on the screen, the story from Jesus raising his friend Lazarus. And before he raised him, he was dealing with a corpse that had been there so long they were knew that it was already beginning to decay and decompose. Jesus had a conversation with the sisters of Lazarus. John chapter 11, verses 23 and 26. John 11, 23 and 26. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again on the, in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said this cool thing, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked this very important question. Do you believe this? Because see, there's a lot of people who intellectually assent to Jesus lived and, and maybe even believe that he spoke about the resurrection. But you need to understand that if Jesus was not raised from the dead, is there any, any, any proof that that body was hidden? I mean, close the door, shut the lights off, we're done. There is no reason to exist as the body of Christ if the body is found. Paul would later say that our, our faith is futile without the resurrection of the living Lord. If Jesus was not rec- resurrected, then nothing that he says matters of any consequence. But if Jesus was resurrected, then everything that he said matters eternally. That his words carry so much weight. And I, I, I need you to, to understand that there are, there are so many people who, who believe, and they say, I believe Jesus is Lord, but they don't do what he says. And that's like not believing in Jesus as Lord at all. You cannot take Jesus and ignore the words that he said and have him as Lord. You have to accept Jesus' words. Now, you can choose not to believe it. Or you can choose to sort of intellectually believe it, but not really let it change your life. And those two are basically the same. Or, if you believe that he did come out of that tomb, you can choose to believe it. And obey him and surrender to him in everything. And this is the thing. You've got to accept his words, but then you have to apply his words. Turn to Matthew 7, verse 21. Lots of people heard Jesus. Lots of people. John records that there were people that heard Jesus' words and were so offended by his words that they walked away. 
and they said, this is a hard teaching. Who can hear it? There were lots of people who heard Jesus speak, but very few that let their lives be changed by his words. And this is what he said, Matthew chapter 7, man, verse 21 and following. This hits me so hard. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not in your name drive out many demons and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now listen to me. I'm not speaking about the world here. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says on judgment day, there's going to be people who came to church, who sat in pews, who will come to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, think of all the things we did for you. Think of all the ways that we acted for you. And Jesus said, listen, I didn't know you. Does that scare you? It scares me. Look what he says. Verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is telling a story not about a house, but about a heart. Not about a place to live, but about a life. He says there's two men. And we just, oh, we just gloss over this story because the wise man built his house upon the rock. Listen to me. Jesus said... There are wise people and foolish people in a church auditorium. There are wise people and foolish people on Easter Sunday who hear my words, fill out the outline, nod and say amen, and leave and don't change their lives. And those are foolish people. They hear the words of God, but the words of Jesus don't seek into the heart and change the life. That's the second part. It's not just accepting the words of Jesus. It's applying the words of Jesus. Turn to Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. Mark chapter 16 is a, is a pretty simple one. It's at the very end of the story. Post-resurrection, Jesus says this. Go into all the world. We're in verse 15 of Mark 16. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And Church of Christ folks sit back and go, I, that's, uh, man, I'm, this sermon's easy for me. I, I got my ticket punched years ago. Fantastic. I mean, got that pretty much taken care of. Don't have to worry about it. 
But if Jesus is Lord, it's not just about applying Mark 16, 15, 16. Listen, if you're here this morning and I'm, I'm glad that you are and you do not know Jesus and you think, I want to be, I want to be in heaven. I want to be with the Lord. Then you need to submit to Jesus and do what he said to do. And it starts with believing and being baptized. But too many people in my audience here this morning hear that and go, well, I'm at the end of the sermon. Listen, it's not all about that. If Jesus is Lord, then we have to obey everything that he said. Matthew 7, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Matthew chapter 6. You've heard it was said long ago, do not murder. But I tell you, anyone who murders uh, and anyone who murders is subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. You've heard it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, then go with him too. Jesus said those words too. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But see, I'd really rather talk about my enemies. I'd really rather make a Facebook post to my enemies. I'd really rather debate my enemies. I don't really want to love them or pray for them. Wow. The words that Jesus said matter only if we apply them, not just if we know them. Jesus conquered sin and death on the third day. He's the only way to escape sin and death and hell. Uh, you probably heard the story this week. that There's a pretty well-known church leader who was heard to have said that there is probably not a hell. And you need to know that Jesus would absolutely disagree with him. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. He, he told his own disciples, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Matthew 20, uh, 10, verse 28, Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus was clear. And it's not just enough to read those words and to know those words and to memorize those words and study those words. If you do not live them and apply them, they don't mean anything. Only if you believe his words and do what he said to do. This morning I, I reach out to you and I beg for you, I plead for you to not just know about the resurrected Lord, but to live a resurrected life. You see, coming to a church building doesn't change you at all. And it doesn't make you a Christian any more than a car being in the garage makes it a car. You have to do, you have to get out on the road, you have to drive, you have to put it in gear. May we do that. If you have not submitted your life to Christ in obedience to the gospel by believing and being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, I realize you got Easter plans. I realize you have every place in the world to be. But eternity is closer now than it has ever been. 
And if you're ready to do it this morning, if we have to, we'll use all the waiters, get all the elders involved, and baptize as many people into Christ who are not yet ready to step into eternity. Some people say, well, how could a good and loving God send anyone to hell? And that's a good question. Do you know what a good and loving God has done? He's done everything to keep you out of hell. Except for one thing. And this one thing He will not do. He will not force you into heaven. He will not override your free choice. He's done everything, sending His own Son to make that journey for you. But if you will not, He will not force you. But it's my job as the preacher to warn you that sin and death will keep you out of heaven and cause you to be in hell if you are not with Jesus. That's what resurrection is about. Not just giving you a good life, not just giving you something to do on a Sunday, but to remember that Jesus was resurrected so that you might be resurrected. If you are not ready for resurrection day, you can get ready this morning. And if you've been in Christ, but you're not living as Christ taught you to live, then the Bible's very clear. You need to repent. And if you need to do that, and we need all the elders to come and pray with you, we will. Whatever your need might be, don't let another second slip by. Don't step into eternity unprepared to meet the risen Lord, because you will someday. And if you're not in Him, and if He doesn't know you, you are not ready. Once you come, whatever your need might be, is together we stand and sing.